all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Mississippi. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics. Alone and lonely up here at the studio. It's just me and you talking about whatever kind of medical issues you have or want to talk about. So this is your chance to corner the doctor and he can't get away. Give me a call at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm not asking for money today. I'm just asking for your call. So give me a call. Our lines are open and I'll be right back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. The White House today is holding a listening session focused on the nation's deadly opioid epidemic. NPR's Richard Harris reports the growing problem is killing 91 people a day. Many people get hooked on prescription painkillers, which some doctors overprescribe. Others switch to heroin, which is cheaper. Both can be deadly, and so far the government has not brought this epidemic of deaths under control. President Trump, among others, is hearing testimony from people who've had firsthand experience with opioid addiction. The president has pledged additional funding to fight the epidemic. The formal process for the United Kingdom to leave the European Union is underway. NPR's Frank Lankford reports from London. Prime Minister Theresa May said leaving the EU would free her nation to make its own laws and chart its own economic course, unshackled from Brussels. Remainers, as they're called here, see Brexit turning the United Kingdom into a poor, less relevant nation. But before any of that can happen, the UK will have to untangle its long, complex relationship with the European Union. The EU wants up to $62 billion in payments. It says the UK is already committed to. Then there's the matter of whether EU citizens already living in the UK can stay here and vice versa. The UK delivered a letter today informing Donald Tusk, president of the European Council, of its intention to leave. Tusk tweeted this response, we already miss you. Frank Langford, NPR News, London. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights says there's a ceasefire in two enclaves on opposite sides of Syria's civil war. NPR's Allison Muse reports residents there are expected to evacuate in the coming days. The Syrian Observatory says opposition forces are expected to grant safe passage to residents of two isolated pro-government villages. In return, two towns besieged by the government and its allies will evacuate to the rebel-held north. These enclaves are bound by a reciprocal deal, meant to allow aid in and the sick and wounded out. But that's been sporadic. Some activists say the new plan amounts to a population exchange along Sunni-Shia sectarian lines. The siege of the Shia pro-government villages is also one of the last pressure cards of the armed opposition. Alison Muse, NPR News, Beirut. 
The cleanup is underway along Australia's northeast coast after a powerful cyclone came ashore on Tuesday. The storm damaged resort areas, downed trees and knocked out power to tens of thousands of homes and businesses. Resident Brian Doyle tells the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that the damage is catastrophic. I've been here for 10 or 11 years and uh, I've been through a few cyclones and this one is just horrendous. There are no reports of fatalities. On Wall Street, the Dow was down 53 points, the Nasdaq up 9. This is NPR News in Washington. Ford Motor Company says it's recalling more than 440,000 vehicles. The automaker says it's because of a defect that can lead to engine fires. Those being recalled include Escape SUVs and Fiesta ST subcompacts. The vehicles were manufactured between 2013 and 2015. Conservation groups in Idaho are seeking immediate removal of cyanide bombs in the state. Matt Gillum of Boise State Public Radio reports. The devices, which resemble pipes sticking out of the ground, are meant to ward off predators like coyotes from farm and ranch lands. They're called M44s and have killed a number of federally or state-protected species over the years, including critically endangered California condors. The Idaho-based Western Watersheds Project is leading a coalition of organizations petitioning the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Wildlife Services branch to stop using M44 devices in the state and to remove all devices currently deployed in Idaho. Several cases of humans being injured by so-called cyanide bombs are listed in the petition. The document goes on to cite numerous instances of pets being killed by M44s, which are sometimes installed on private land without the owner's knowledge or just feet from public roads. For NPR News, I'm Matt Gillum in Boise. A federal judge in New Jersey is sentencing two former allies of Governor Chris Christie. A former deputy chief of staff and a former Port Authority official are facing possible prison time for creating politically motivated traffic jams in 2013. Stocks are trading mixed on Wall Street. The Dow is down 56 points. The Nasdaq up 8. The S&P 500 down a fraction. I'm Windsor Johnston, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Progressive Insurance, comparing car insurance rates from multiple insurers so shoppers can evaluate options in one place. Now that's Progressive. Comparisons available at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, everybody. It's good to be with you, whether you're getting up really early Sunday morning or you're live with me here on Wednesday. We appreciate your listening. This is a doctor call-in show, one of our regular doctor call-in shows at this time every day. This is the original uh, Southern Remedy. It doesn't mean it's the best, but the old format in which we take whatever calls uh, come in, and I do my very best to answer them. Um, And it is a pleasure to try to do that. I've been in practice for many years in both medicine and pediatrics, so I do my very best to share whatever information I have, and when I don't know it, I try to find it. So we'd love to have you give us a call at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. 
Uh, we have lines open. We're fixing to go to Tupelo, and we'll go to your house if you give us a call. Man, I don't know if you happened to hear that last news broadcast, but it was full of medical news. And one of the things it was full of is this epidemic of narcotic overdose that is occurring to prescription drugs. It is a big, big problem here in Mississippi, and all of we, all of the physicians, including moi, have had to take a uh, CME course, continuing medical education course on narcotics and narcotic use and narcotic addiction in order to get our license renewed. So um, this is big enough that lots of folks are all over it. And if you have any thoughts or comments or want to ask about this problem, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's open mic. And yeah, there's a lot going on about health care and health care insurance. And I don't have any more insight than you do about it, but we can talk about it. Uh, the Several uh, months ago, I mentioned to you that there was concern about taking vitamin D with calcium because some preliminary studies had shown a lot of calcification in people who were doing this in the coronary arteries on these coronary heart CTs that are being done. Well... Two studies came out uh, this week showing that within the reasonable uh, calcium and vitamin D levels that we uh, usually prescribe for prevention of osteoporosis, this is not a problem. And that's very reassuring to me because I'd back down a little bit uh, on my recommendations on that. So it's calcium and vitamin D if you're old as me. And finally, there's a really good article that just was published uh, having to do with something we talk about all the time on this program, and that is exercise in seniors. And what they did is they took seniors uh, who could walk 400 meters. Now, I don't, I don't remember that, the conversion factor, uh, but it's not that far. A hundred thousand of these people aged 70, 70 to 89, but were otherwise... Uh, decondition and put them in a very simple reconditioning program, <clears throat> mostly walking, and found out not only were they able to walk further and better, but they had fewer uh, subsequent uh, uh, events that might disable them. So, you know, staying fit is, if you want to give yourself a gift, do that. Do that. I'm not talking about going to the gym and lifting dumbbells. I'm talking about just walking uh, and doing some range of motion exercises for 30 minutes a day. Well, it's time to take some calls, and I'd love to have your call. We're at one 672 7464 This is Dr. Rick. We're taking all calls on all topics today. I have no special top topic and no special guests. It's just me and you uh, today talking about whatever's on your mind. Let's go to Ann in Tupelo. Hey, Ann. Ann, something going on with your knee? Well, about a month ago, I started working out core and cardio. It's not but about 30 minutes a day, three times a week. But a couple of weeks ago, or right in, not far into it, my knee started bothering me, and I probably overdid it because I'm overweight, and um, it's a little swollen, 
and my ankle's swollen, and when I walk, it pops sometimes. Uh huh. And um. So what is your plan? Well, I I bought a brace. Good. Uh, and and I mean, well, a compression sleeve. Yeah. Is it okay to wear that all day? Absolutely. Uh, I prefer the a uh, little more expensive ones uh, that you can get at any of the drugstores that have the two cinches, those things that you pull tight around it and then Velcro it closed. Oh. That way you can up and down it. The, the the one that just slides on, first of all, it wears out fairly quickly. And secondly, in my case, I have bad knees too. It ends up being an ankle brace by the end of the day because you're usually um, – uh, in the by the end of the day, your joint is more sw- swollen than it was in the morning, and so it, they, they go in all different directions. So these are mower, I think, is the name of memo H E R or something like that. That are very good over the counter braces, and you can get them both at regular drugstores and discount stores. Let's talk a little bit about osteoarthritis. Is what's what's going on with you, <clears throat> and when uh, osteoarthritis is caused by loss of the cartilage which is a little bitty, uh, well, it's not a little bitty, uh, a slice, uh, envision it as a bread slice between your upper and lower leg, that when you stand up and start walking on your leg, it functions as a pad to keep those two bones from uh, uh, scratching each other as you walk because they do move. And it's a gel thing. It's a gel foam, gooey type of uh, pad and as you get older, it wears out. The goo in it dries out, and it starts to desiccate and flake out. And the cartilage is damaged, and then you start walking bone on bone, and that causes new bone growth and pain. So that's what osteoarthritis is. So the first rules that I I give, uh, first suggestions I give people who are starting a program is a: you never do anything on a on a joint that's already causing problems. We know that osteoarthritis gets better with exercise, not worse. But if you exercise it when you it's already swollen or tender after exercise, that doesn't help. And you should wait until that goes down. And the usual treatment is uh, braces are very good to be used short term if that decreases pain. And uh, so that's a reasonable thing. Non-steroidals, we try to use Tylenol. We have, it, Tylenol will not work for the pain unless you take it at least three times a day, whether you need it or not, because it's very short-acting. And it's perfectly safe, uh, the over-the-counter Tylenol, three or four times a day, as long as you don't have liver disease or are not a heavy drinker. So that would be the second thing. And, uh, and, then, and then when all of this resolves, you need to remember how, what you did to provoke it and back off on your exercise to a level below that before you try it again. So that would be my recommendations. And another a good thing to do would be to go to a trainer if you have one available to help you figure out what exercises are appropriate. Another alternative is a physical therapist, and you frequently can get uh, in to see those without a doctor's referral or call your primary care uh, person and ask them to refer you since you've had this problem and the insurance will pay for it. How's that? Is that helpful? That sounds good. Um, I went to the exercise program um, and uh, I just kind of did my own thing because uh, to keep my heart rate going, you know, all, the, the uh, 
aerobic part. I mean, you don't. I just didn't jump on on my knee. Uh-huh. I didn't bend my knee, mm-hmm. but I kept doing something to keep my heart, you know, going fast. And I only have to do that 20 minutes. Is that okay to continue doing that as long as I'm being careful with my knee? Absolutely, absolutely. You want to try to get your. You know, first of all, you don't want to get OCD and perfectively, you know, try to do whatever they say. Those younger people, in particular, just like they do. You did the right thing. Ignore the rest of them and do what part of it you can tolerate. Getting your heart rate up is good. Uh, It's not the end of the world if you don't get it up to the target number that they give you. But getting it up is good because the more you do that, the more cardiovascular benefits you get. And you can do that with simple walking. If you want to wear that uh, knee brace and uh, get yourself a real good pair of New Balance tennis shoes because... Uh, People start walking programs, and they have uh, pronation. Their feet turn in as they get older, and that will trigger the whole thing. So you need to make sure you have some good uh, New Balance or other walking shoes. I just say New Balance because it's hard to get a bad New Balance. You can get some of these others, and they they aren't good for walking. But I would get a a new ba- and you can get them on sale, which is even better. They're always putting them on sale. A new Balance walking shoe, and uh, before you do any more of this. Okay, yeah, I've got some good shoes, uh, Brooks Glitter. Oh, those are great. Those are fantastic, but and they're expensive. At, at yeah. This gym, they have those thick foam mats, and they don't want you to wear your shoes on there. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, a foam mat's different, but that's not something you can walk in outside. If you want some more information about this, send me an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. I can send you um, a whole bunch of info about osteoarthritis and fitness and stuff like that. And the other thing is Josie Bidwell, the nurse practitioner who does our Monday program, is incredible on this. She was really overweight and got into a fitness program herself and now is really an expert in this area. So you might want to listen to that program on Monday and call her about some more suggestions. But I need to move on. So let me tell you, I'll send you as much information as you need if you just drop me an email at uh, southernremedy.mpbonline.org. And thank you so much for your call and keep it up. Don't don't get discouraged. Let's go to Brookhaven and another Ann. Hey, hey, Ann, what's going on in Brookhaven? Well, uh, it's uh, my daughter. She has been on an antibiotic for an abscess tooth. And she woke up this morning and had um, soreness in her neck and her, her hand and her foot also. And I'm just extremely concerned. I don't know what is going on or what we should do. Yeah, what you should assume is that she's allergic to that drug. <clears throat> what is she on a cephalosporin? Do you know the name of the drug? No, sir, I don't. I do know that she has completed it, mm-hmm. and uh, she has completed it about a week, and uh, they were waiting for the partial. So um, that concerns me that maybe that, that infection has started again. Well, it could uh, more likely she's having a delayed drug reaction. But the problem is the dentist is not going to be able to diagnose this. He can certainly address the tooth thing, but she needs to call her primary care physician um, and let that person know. A lot of people uh, uh, your daughter's age probably use their GYN as a primary care person. But the, she is 46, yes, sir. Uh-huh. So she needs to call that person and tell, let them know that she's got this pain in her hands 
Uh, you say ankles, and where else? It's in her, her foot, the hand, and it initially started in the neck. Yeah. Uh, my first uh, scare was a thought of tetanus. Am I no, no, that? no, you're off on that one. Well, That's high, highly unlikely. Don't don't uh, don't don't help her solve this problem with oh, giving her. Uh, well, let me finish, Ann. Don't 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 give her a diagnosis because, like most of us, she's going to probably say, "Well, my mama said, you know, it was this, and I don't need to fool with it." Just just tell her that your feeling is that that needs to be checked out because it's a systemic problem. You know what I mean? Yes, it's involving multiple places, and you're concerned about infection, which is a correct thing to be concerned about. Another thing that happens when you have an abscess tooth, it can trigger a, cap, a, a gout attack, and um, that's another possibility. It could be a drug reaction, but it needs to be investigated, and at the very least, the doctor knows needs to know that it started up. And I, a simple call to the nurse would be a good place to start this morning. Okay? Well, may I ask you, does gout affect the neck? Uh, it's unusual. usually affects the big toe first in about 50% of people, but we do see people... Uh, with gout who present with weird uh, joint problems, usually in association with other joints. The ankle and knee uh, uh, and wrist are common places. So anytime we see multiple joints at one time, um, then we think of gout. Okay? Okay. Well, I thank you very much. Well, thank you for calling, and I I hope that's helpful. I can't think of any particular email information I could give you on that. I think she needs to start it uh, with her primary care doctor. And thank you for your call. Yes, sir. I thank you. All right. We have lines open. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick. It's all things considered. Medicine, pediatrics, whatever you got bothering you, we'll do our best to answer your medical question. And we have two lines open. Uh, or if there's a medical issue you want to talk about, that's bugging you, we'll be happy to do what we can to refer you to the right place or at least uh, be responsive. So we have two open lines at one 672 Give us a call. Let's go to Beaumont and Sue. Hey, Sue. Hello. Can I ask you a question, a couple of questions, actually? For sure. Uh, I have a new uh, medical provider who is a nurse practitioner. Uh-huh. And so when I, when I went to him, I told him that I was expected to have some dental work and some extractions, most likely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I said the, the, the cardiologist that I had years ago said, any time you have dental work, uh, load up on antibiotics. So I've always taken antibiotics before I had any kind of extensive dental work. And so the nurse practitioner tells me, though, that uh, he had gone to a seminar or something and that, that that's no longer so. I don't see how that could be so because the mouth is the dirtiest orifice in your body. And I would think that you would actually need antibiotics Okay, let me tackle that one before we go to question two, okay? Is that all right? Yes. All right, so the American College of Cardiology this year has come out with new guidelines about using antibiotics before dental surgery. And if you Google the American College of Cardiology uh, guidelines for antibiotics, it pops up on your Google screen and they're open to the public. The 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 they did a very very large study looking at the risk and benefits of using antibiotics in people who were having dental surgery, 
and pretty much threw out all of their old recommendations unless people have valvular problems, problems with the valves of the heart or a prosthetic valve, a uh, an implanted valve. The reason for that is heart valves are easy to get infected with brushing your teeth, much less digging around in there. So uh, all of us, every time we brush our teeth, we have bugs get out of our gums and into our bloodstream. That's why we have an immune system that protects us against this. It's only in people that have a pre-existing problem that are high at risk for getting um, an infection somewhere with with dental surgery, even dental abscesses, root canals, and the like. So um, I don't know what uh, he was talking about. Uh, We usually uh, get an echo uh, cardiac echo looking for valve problems. Do you have a primary care provider? Uh, uh, no, this is your new one, right. Do you still have that cardiologist? Uh, no. No. Okay. So uh, he's probably right, but, but if you want to be absolutely sure uh, that uh, he's right, then uh, this would require a cardiac echo to um, get that sorted out, and he can order that. Well, I want, can I ask you another question? Sure. Uh, it, two of our local county hospitals are, are run by, I mean, they have nurse practitioners on duty, not a physician, and, and that kind of scares me. What if somebody has an accident or or a heart attack and comes in? I, I don't think they have enough training to, to know what to do. Okay, let's talk about that. Most of the hospitals in Mississippi that are these uh, critical access hospitals in rural areas uh, are being staffed by a uh, one physician and a bunch of nurse practitioners. Yes. They are all hooked up by telemedicine to the University of Mississippi Medical Center uh, or some other uh, similar center. And uh, in in the ones that are hooked up to UMC, they actually have in the exam room about ten cameras hooked up to look at the patient and so forth and so on. And, uh, and if there is a, an acute medical illness, these nurse practitioners have been down to UMC and gone through a special course to learn how to do the things to stabilize a patient until they can be evacuated to a hospital with a higher level of care. Now, that includes... Uh, a helicopter. There are two or three helicopters on top of UMC now that fly 24-7 to these critical care hospitals to bring people in who have strokes and heart attacks and, and bad accidents. So actually, for if you live in a rural area and have access to these hospitals, your uh, acute care services are better than you've ever had before delivered the you're using this system that they're using with these nurse practitioners supervised by a doctor who's frequently not on site and in contact 24 7 with the emergency medicine department physicians who are looking at you and talking to you uh by telemedicine i know that's the new world but it, it their data showing it works well thank you all right good to talk to you we have now two lines open. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and uh, and we uh, would love to hear from you uh, about anything that you want to talk about. Let's go to Madison and talk to Mary. Hey, Mary. Hi, Doctor Rick. 
Um, my question is also about antibiotics. I've heard a new term uh, in general about antibiotic stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thought that um, if we don't take them correctly or if we overtake them, that we end up with resistant organisms, and then eventually they may not, and our antibiotics may not work at all. And so something that if maybe you could talk with us a little about the antibiotic stewardship and then uh, maybe add with that um, Cipro because I've heard something about these fluoroquinolones, and, which are antibiotics, and the worry about taking Cipro these days. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your call and for cueing me on that. If you want to stay on the line and make sure I cover all the uh, points that you uh, were thinking about, that would be good. Uh, So anyway, as a Methodist, it's good to hear anything about stewards because that's what they used to call the uh, folks who worked in the Methodist church. They don't do that anymore. I don't know. But a steward is a person who uh, makes good use of, of anything they've got. In this case, doctors have antibiotics and lab tests and all kinds of other things. And we can either use those uh, carefully or we can just use them promiscuously uh, without thinking about what we're doing. And the antibiotic situation has been driven uh, by uh, demands from the public for antibiotics whenever they come in with a sore throat or an earache uh, or flu. Uh, and from doctors' failure to tell the patient no, because the, the, we just—I'm guilty of this. We just don't want to—it's it's quicker to just go ahead and give a Z-pack than it is to explain why they shouldn't be getting a Z-pack. The problem is now that everybody's gotten Zithromax for everything, um, Zithromax is not good for much of anything uh, anymore— because the bacteria, it's these antibiotics are only effective against bacteria. Now we have a few antivirals, but we don't, uh, but but we don't use them much except for specific things. So the usual antibiotics you get by script prescription from your doctor are antibacterials, and the usual upper respiratory tract infection you have is antiviral. And a Z-Pak doesn't do anything but give you stomach pain and diarrhea and run up your doctor bill because it doesn't work against viruses. So the new stewardship campaign is for doctors both in hospital and in outpatient practice to say no and don't use antibiotics unless uh, there is a real indication and a high probability that it's a bacterial infection. And then to choose the least... Uh, toxic uh, antibiotic, and preferably the one that is less associated with the germs developing resistant to, rather than using the most expensive antibiotic that is that is the one that will develop resistance to. Right now, we have a number of these superbugs that uh, that don't respond to antibiotics because we've we've wasted them. And uh, they they have minds of their own, and they become resistant. So that's what antibiotic stewardship is. And Cipro, of course, and and all that group in the uh, quinolone family of antibiotics uh, have been uh, really overused for everything. They were very broad spectrum. They covered a lot of different bacteria when they first came out, and we've just thrown them uh, at everybody. Levaquin is another one in the family. And uh, and so that there many of the germs are now 
uh, resistant to these, and that's a shame because we need those drugs. We're running out of drugs uh, to treat some of these infections. Did I did I hit the key points, or is there anything else I need to mention? No, I think that's great, and I, you know, I was thinking too. We as we as the public. Um, kind of need to know about these antibiotics and that we need to take them the way our doctor tells us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, can you can you do this? I've, I've seen at my pharmacy has this box that looks like this big metal mailbox uh, where you can put your um, old medicines and stuff, and I guess we can take our old antibiotics back there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the health department or somebody has uh, – some kind of program uh, where they pick them up uh, once a month or something like that. It, 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 is that what you're aware of? Um, I, I'm not sure of that. I just know that when I go to my pharmacy to pick up medications, um, I know they have this metal box. It just looks like a one of those old-timey uh, metal mailboxes. Yeah, and the reason for that is these frequently become outdated and people go in and use them and so forth and so on. And that's another problem with the opioid problem that we're having uh i tried to cue people to give me give us a call about that to talk about that and that's a nice segue uh to our next call so uh dr mary thank you very much for your call and uh, we appreciate it and keep them coming okay thanks so much dr rick thank you Bye-bye. let's go to art on the road hey art yeah it's art here thanks for taking my call doc Thanks for calling one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's Southern Remedy, and we have a line open. Are you driving a car or truck? Oh, it's a car vehicle. I'm a technician, run all over town within a hundred miles of Jackson Metro. So you know all the scoop on everything that's going on, huh? <laughs> yeah, except potassium. Okay, what's this? What what's the potassium question? I'm just trying to figure out what's this. Uh, it's supposed to be some supplement. Uh, that and iron, those are my two questions. What are they good for? What are they supposed to aid the body in doing? And, you know, how can it help? Me? Okay, well, hang on, because this this particular program, we can go back if I don't do a good job answering your question. So just hang on the line. And, by the way, we have two lines open now. This is your chance to pigeonhole your doctor and get some answers about things that have been bugging you. It doesn't happen very often, uh, so give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's the original Southern Remedy. Let's talk a little bit about potassium. Potassium is what's called an electrolyte. That's a fancy name for a, a chemical that is common in the body and important, and sodium and potassium, uh, calcium, uh, are are very important, and there are others. So anyway, the the problem with potassium is that the control of potassium, uh, like sodium, is a balance uh, that is um, set up in the kidneys. And anything that you do uh, to lose water, like taking a water pill, like hydrochlorothiazide or Lasix or others, uh, that causes you to pee, especially if you're using that for treatment of high blood pressure or um, um, using it for fluid accumulation. You waste potassium at the same time you're getting rid of the water and your potassium drops. Well, who cares? Well, a low potassium can be associated with uh, cardiac problems, in particular uh, cardiac arrhythmias, unusual, unwelcome beats. So we try to keep your potassium around four, 
and we can measure that easily. And if you're on a drug that we know usually drops a potassium, uh, we usually will give you a potassium supplement. Some of the drugs we use actually causes your potassium to go up, and we check that too. Is that uh, generally what you wanted to know? Okay. Well, if it's not, send me an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and I will definitely give you some more information. So most people on Lasix have to take potassium with it, and many people taking hydrochlorothiazide for blood pressure uh, will have to, and other similar diuretics will have to take it. So there you go. Let's go to Woodville and Lee. Hey, Lee. Lee, you're on the radio. Good morning, Dr. Rick. What's happening? Dr. Rick, I got two here for you. Okay. I, on the 7th of um, March, I was sent from a rural hospital to the University of Civil Medical Center uh-huh. in Jackson, and I had to see Dr. Lee, the urologist, and Dr. Ushman. Uh-huh. I had suffered another hemorrhagic stroke. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I wanted to know about this said dissipation. Said what? Dissipation that one and the doctor when I went to Nashville told me the same. That once I had the stroke or whatever that didn't have surgery, it would dissipate. Uh-huh. And the white blood cell basically without number or gain on the red. Yeah. With the dissipation. But on the average with patients I wanted to know about how long does it normally take for the average? Because I mean, all the patients are different. I got you. I got you. And also, one more thing. The, Dr. Ushman, Dr. Lee, and Dr. Ricard, the Natural Merit Rehabilitation, they told me I needed to get the rehabilitation as fast as possible. And after two days in ICU, they put me in a room down on 2 North at UMMC. The people were great, but they discharged me, and I went directly to rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are two very good points. Uh, hang on and make sure I get your questions answered appropriately. Uh, number one, the most important thing that, that they did for you was to try to figure out why you keep having these uh, intracerebral bleeds. The most common cause of that is an aneurysm, a cerebral aneurysm, which is a bleb like you get in your rubber tire that blows out. And uh, usually after those blow out, if you survive, and many people do not, uh, that area clogs up and that's the end of it. But there are some people who have multiple ones of these and they can actually go up and using a catheter into those blood vessels in your brain and block those off. So um, the most important thing you should have learned uh, when you went to the hospital is why you were having bleeds. Did you learn that, Lee? Lee, are you still there? Yes, sir. Did you learn why you were having uh, bleeds? I know blood pressure, high blood pressure. Okay, all right. So did they get a, a, C, uh, a CT of your head? There was a CT done at the rural hospital at Theo Clinic in Centerville. Uh-huh. One done at... UMC and Dr. Ricardi did one at the Natus Gotcha. And what they were looking for with that thing, uh, that was a CT angiogram. 
in which we have these CTs now. We don't have to stick catheters up there and squirt dye up there to look for these blebs. So that's what they were trying to make sure you didn't have. And if your blood pressure is high enough, uh, you'll blow out a normal blood vessel over time. So uh, keeping your blood pressure under control is absolutely essential to preventing further problems. So that's that piece. Number two, uh, yes, the uh, neurological problems that occur after a stroke usually will improve over time. And what improves is uh, depends on how much uh, injury you had. For instance, the motor problems, your ability to walk and to move your legs and so forth and so on, usually will improve over a period of months. And that improvement is facilitated by starting rehabilitation very early. What happens is you, the, the electrical connections that are destroyed when you scooch your brain by putting blood where it doesn't belong have to be reestablished. And fortunately, the brain has a number of circuits that can go around. It's just like when the lights go off. You notice that when the lights go off, all of a sudden, glunk, and then a few minutes later, glunk, they come back on. Well, they haven't repaired the problem. They've just gone around the damage. And that's what your uh, your uh, neurons in your brain can do. So that takes a number of months to repair that part. And uh, you probably will have some residua. And how much residual you have will depend on how much uh, brain you lost and uh, how much recovered and how good your physical therapy is. And it's very hard to predict, but by a year, you pretty much have everything you're going to get back uh, uh, gotten. Is that what you need to know, Lee, or is there something else? I need to know that, and also that numbness, does it gradually goes away. They told me it does. Yeah, the numbness usually usually goes away fairly quickly, and uh, that, that frequently is easier to get rid of than the... Uh, uh, than the motor problems, the ability to move. But but hang in there, and if the numbness persists, they can give you a drug like gabapentin uh, that doesn't have a lot of side effects, so we'll get rid of it. But, Lee, keep your blood pressure under control, and this is for all of our listeners. Blood pressure is so easy to fix now. We have all these magical drugs, and yet we see people that are not getting their blood pressure checked to make sure they don't have it people who are getting treated for it and don't take their medicines correctly. Once you have high blood pressure, you have it for life. Now, if you lose 100 pounds, which rarely occurs, sometimes it goes away. But if you live long enough, it'll come back. So you don't just take blood pressure medicine for a month till your refill uh, is out. You take them for life, and that's why it's important to remember. Let's go to Angie. Thank you, Lee. Let's go to Angie in the car somewhere. Where are you at, Angie? Hey, I'm uh, just riding around. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful day. It is. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I wanted you to continue a little bit on the C-Pro and the Levaquin uh, on those antibiotics. I read recently that those have side effects that, which I felt were kind of strange in that it supposedly affects your um, tendons and your your heels and your feet. Yeah, and that you can blow out a tendon and from taking these uh, antibiotics. Right. Have you heard that? Oh yeah. Not only have I heard it, I've done it to people. 
uh, I've had, uh, like all doctors who have a large practice, I, I've used a lot of these agents. And <clears throat> since I'm an immunologist, I see a lot of people with with chronic infections, sinus infections, and so forth, and use a lot of antibiotics. And I've had several patients, I can think of three off the top of my head, that have had ruptured tendons, Achilles tendons, uh, or frequently the ones on your ankle, affected, and, and, and one had a shoulder tendon pop. The problem was that these were people uh, who were at risk for tendon rupture from other problems. They had osteoarthritis, one had rheumatoid arthritis, so forth. But very large studies have looked at this problem, and there clearly is an increased risk of a tendon rupture in people who use quinolone antibiotics. And that's why you have to look at the cost-benefit ratio. I don't use uh, quinolones unless there's not some cheaper, uh, equally effective antibiotics. And the reason that we're getting in trouble uh, with this unusual side effect is we're using too much of it. And that's what our previous caller was talking about. We as doctors are responsible for being more careful about, first of all, recommending an antibiotic. And by the way, I don't ever tell a person to take a drug. I recommend it and then let the person make a decision if they want it or not. But And we're trying to teach that to our medical students now, and I think most of them get it, because uh, it's really the patient's choice on this. We try to make sure they don't make a bad decision, but frequently, if they don't agree with us, we can come up with some other way to skin the cat. Uh, and so there you go. But you are correct. There is an increased risk. Is that all you need, or you need more? No, that's that's exactly what I wanted to address because I have just had Achilles problems and and so I wondered what, how much of that I could lay at the door of the the drugs. So. Yeah, well, I don't know, I don't know, but mm-hmm. if you came in to see me, I sure as heck wouldn't give you any more Cipro. Right. Yeah. So don't let okay. anybody give it to you unless there's no other choice, because okay. you are at increased risk. And thank you, and I hope you enjoy your drive. Okay. Thank you. Have fun. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to Starkville and Shirley. We have an open line at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick, taking all questions on all topics, trying to do the best I can. I'm alone and lonely here, so keep me busy, uh, or I'll uh, be millennial and just lose my attention. Uh, so let's go to Shirley in Starkville. Hey, Shirley. Hi. Thank you for your show. I love Starkville. Okay, all right, great city. Yeah. Um, uh, question and then a comment. Okay. Um, you just mentioned the quinolone antibiotics. Uh, what be uh, besides Cipro is in that category? Uh, uh, Levaquin is the one that is most commonly used uh, in that category, and there are several others. I'm looking them up here. Those are the only two that I routinely use, uh, but I'll give okay. you that. Do you have another question while I look it up? Yes. Um, so you mentioned the Achilles tendon. What about the navicular tendon? Uh, uh, that's a that's a foot one, right. and, and um, uh, I don't know the literature on this well enough to know if foot there's any preference for foot tendons. Most of the tendons that um, I'm aware in the articles that I have read about this problem are the large tendons, not the small. 
tendons like those. Uh, okay. But I, I presume that it could. You know, if it does the big ones, I don't see why it couldn't do the small ones. But okay. people routinely rupture tendons, especially if you get old and you're trying to exercise like me. I've ruptured several <laughs> tendons, and most of the time, uh, you don't need to have them repaired. So it's Cipro Oxifloxacin. I've never used that one. Uh, and then Leviquin. I use a lot of that one. That's about it. That's, uh, well, here's a fourth generation one. Gimme Floxacin. That sounds like something that uh, you wouldn't want to buy. Gimme your Floxacin. Gimme your money. Moxifloxacin, which is Avalox. That is used by ENT people a lot. And that's it, pretty much. Okay. And then finally, a, a comment. Um, uh, just for um, the benefit of those who might be uh, told uh, by the supplier to their pharmacy uh, for um, meds that they've been getting for a long time, and especially those that they need uh, to take continuously. Um, I found out once that, um, well, I was told once that the pharmacy couldn't get this prescription that I need actually need to live. And so when I inquired, they said, well, the supplier said that um, it's no longer available. Hmm. So what I did was to uh, call the, I found out who the manufacturer of the medication uh, mm-hmm. was and is, and went online, found that out, and I called the manufacturer and was told that, no, this uh, medication is not in short supply, uh, and then conveyed that information to the pharmacist, and I asked them to let the supplier know, and so now I have the medication. I'll be dog. Yes. So you got so some bad info, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. And uh-huh. sometimes we have to be our own advocates. Absolutely. Uh, so, I vote for that. Uh, I vote for that. Uh, every patient has to be your own advocate. By the way, your doctor should have uh, helped you with that. Um, your first call should have been to the person who wrote the prescription and uh, asked for a confirmation. You ought not have to dig around and do that yourself because we have easier access to information about that. Oh, we all have clinical pharmacists that we work with that do that homework for you. But you're right. If you get uh, get stiffed, the best way to sort it out is to do it yourself. So uh, many compliments to you for doing that, and we appreciate your call. Let's go to Meridian. By the way, we'd like to go to your house. If you give us a call at one or your car or your truck, uh, we'd like to give you, uh, or wherever you're at, uh, at one 877 so we're in Meridian now with Sharon, I think. Hey, Sharon. Hello. What's happening? Uh, question for you. All right. Anything new or what is going on with fibromyalgia? Okay. Uh, also interested in alternative therapies and what just any information you can give would be greatly appreciated. So listen to this, Sharon. Yesterday, I had a patient come in, and she had classic fibromyalgia. And uh, I'll tell you how the diagnosis is made. You probably know already. <clears throat> but uh, I said, well, you know, the, your rheumatoid arthritis is in under pretty good control, but your fibromyalgia is out the wazoo. She said, don't put that in my record. And I said, what? 
She said, I don't want that in my record. I said, why? She said, well, all the other doctors will think I'm crazy. Can you believe that? Oh, then they are done that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to address that right now. I'm glad you called. So there is this thing called fibromyalgia. It is a real entity. There are diagnostic criteria for it. And the people with this problem get these tender points, and they are symmetrical. They're on both sides. They uh, And there are uh, sets of them uh, in the face, jaw, neck, shoulder, uh, back, hips, knees, uh, elbows, uh, and ankles, and, uh, and 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 rheumatologists and most primary care doctors, we we teach them how to do this. Are trained to pick these up, and you can find out where you got them if you just gently push over those areas. You have a lot of pain, and uh, that problem of fibromyalgia hurting all over. Uh, can be reproduced by sleep deprivation. The military learned this many years ago when they were doing some studies up in Natick, Massachusetts, on um, soldiers and deprived them of sleep and found out they started hurting all over and they they got this problem. So many people with fibromyalgia uh, have an underlying sleep disorder, some don't. And if you treat, uh, if you don't miss that diagnosis, uh, then uh, it is much more difficult to figure out what's going on. So everybody with fibromyalgia that I see uh, gets referral to a sleep study. If I don't pick it up myself and can't figure out they've got a sleep problem, gets referral to a uh, sleep doctor, not necessarily for a sleep study, but just to make sure I haven't missed this sleep problem because any kind of sleep problem can uh, be associated with this. We don't know the mechanism. It's diagnosed by all these tender points. It's a chronic pain syndrome. And the only thing that has been shown in controlled trials to improve this is warm water-based exercise. And there's a whole new uh, article that just came out in the last six months looking at this. And uh, so, so it can be as simple as water walking, but you have to do it in a warm pool. You cannot do it in a cold pool. It doesn't work as well. Uh, and so many wives have a therapeutic pool. Many hospitals have them. So we usually start by water walking in a warm water pool, uh, not one that makes you shiver all, all over. We do have some patients that don't have access to a warm water pool. We go tell them to go to swimoutlet.org, dot, dot com, swimoutlet.com, and buy uh, a... Um, some warm water, uh, some cold water swimwear, and these are um, very inexpensive. They're about twenty dollars for a warm, uh, what they call, um, uh, they don't call it a t-shirt. It looks like a t-shirt, but it's it's called a rash guard, warm rash guard, uh, and a jammer. Uh, and they have these things. In fact, I just ordered some of these myself this morning. So uh, you can get in a regular pool with those if you keep warm. But the cold water tends to, and most people, to make them worse. And some people, it makes, makes them better, actually. So uh, that is the latest thing, is a warm water exercise program. Of course, everybody that we see gets this, uh, that gets this, is we try to get them to do that. We try to make sure their sleep uh, is fixed. We try to make sure they don't have an underlying 
connective tissue disease or any other kind of inflammatory disorder. Most don't. And then we will give them some, uh, we'll work with the pain management people to come up with a non-narcotic approach to management, which is usually something like naproxen, uh, maybe Cymbalta, which is an antidepressant with very good pain relief, and gabapentin or Lyrica. That's the usual approach. Is that what you needed? That pretty well answers the question. Um, yeah, it's just the chronic pain is, of course, nonstop. And just anything to give relief. Do well, you have any clues other than the sleep deprivation of what is causing it? Yeah, that? yeah. They, they are really getting close to figuring this out. It's, uh, there is a, a bunch of pain circuits that uh, go from the peripheral neurologic system to the central. And for some reason, it's sort of like a heart, uh, heart arrhythmia. These circuits get out of whack, and they end up with sort of a circular firing squad uh, where they're all shooting off at each other, and it just doesn't stop. And, uh, and that's, they're going to figure out a way before long to do some kind of electrical shock like you do with somebody with atrial fibrillation or something like that to reset that system, but they're not there yet. They may be able to do it with a drug. So hang in there. Uh, you're not crazy, and uh, I think there's going to be some relief, and we appreciate your call very much, Sharon. Let's go to Jackson and Frank. Hey, Frank. No, Frank. Let's go to Grenada and Kenneth. Hey, Kenneth. Kenneth, you online? Kenneth, are you there? I hear a wiggle. Yes, I'm sorry. Here we are. Ah, uh, good to talk hi. to you. Good to talk to you. I'm Dr. Rick, and I want, want to get your question about LDL. Yeah, my, I went to the VA the other day and had some uh, uh, blood work done, and my LDL is uh, 140, which they're saying is high. My HDL is 41, uh-huh. but my vitamin D is low. Are they connected? Oh, that's a good question. No, probably okay. not. Okay. There are two different problems. The LDL is a bad cholesterol that gets in your blood um, blood uh, vessels and clogs them up and gives you heart attacks and stroke. It, your LDL should be 100 or below. If you have risk factors for heart disease um, or have had a heart attack, we take it down to 70. Uh, we now have medicines that allow us to do that. You need to get it fixed. Okay. It's a genetic problem. Uh, vitamin D comes from too little uh, sun exposure, but then we don't want to get skin cancer, so we usually just take a supplement for that, and usually over-the-counter vitamin D uh, with two to 3,000 uh, international units a day will get it back in order if you take it. Sometimes we have to use 50,000 uh, once a week for a while. Kenneth, I hope that was what you needed. Let's go to Mobile and Gene, our last call. Hey, I'm so glad we heard from somebody in Mobile. You got, you got one minute. What's your question? Okay, uh, my lips stay constantly chapped. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No matter what I do. Carmax. Carmax is my favorite lip thing. C A R M E X. You can get it in multiple, uh, multiple types, and you can also use it in your nose if you have bad nose problems. Gene, I'm sorry I ran out of time. Got to go. Uh, thank you for listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Same time, same place next week. Have a good afternoon.